much for being here, everybody. Welcome to East Brainerd. So glad to have you here, and I hope that you're already uh, feeling a little high, getting uplifted. Welcome to Big Kids Praise, as we have heard that this is the time. Uh, that's what it's called now, Big Kids Praise. We're so glad to have you with us today. Welcome to all those who are watching online. We're so thankful that you're with us as well, and we've already had uh, part of our family here for uh, worship time at uh, 9 a.m. Uh, other members of our family are getting together right about now in our Family Life Center for uh, a Spanish worship time. And uh, we know we also have our, uh, our YAC group is off on a retreat this weekend. And so a lot of, a lot of our, our family, we're, we're together in different places. We're all spread out, uh, but we're thankful for wherever it is that you're watching, however you're joining us today, we're so thankful that you've taken time to be here and to be with us. And we hope that you're going to be having a good week. Hey, Thanksgiving is um, on the way, and I know that you're looking up here going, all right, Hallmark Channel has gone too far. <sighs> I mean, it's not even Thanksgiving yet, and we already have, we already have the stage decorated at Christmas. You walked in, the wreaths were there, the Christmas trees. It's like, what in the world? Well, our theme in December is called Surprised. And so we thought we would do a little something here to surprise everybody. Uh, hey, how many of you have already put up your Christmas tree, by the way? And the rest of you, look around to see who the heretics are. Go ahead. All right, now, now we know. Uh, some of you we thought, now it has been confirmed. Now we know. Uh, but hey, whether you've got the tree up already or whether you have to wait until that last piece of turkey is, has been eaten on Thanksgiving... Uh, whatever your holiday traditions are, we hope you can enjoy them. And uh, we do know things, yes, things are going to be different this year. But we are thankful to have the opportunity to be able to, um, to celebrate. And if you're going to be traveling this week, we, uh, of course, uh, ask that you be careful. Uh, always, uh, not only in your travels, but with the people that you're going to be dealing with. Uh, be conscious of, of those that you're going to be around as well. And we'll look forward to... Um, we we'll look forward to being together and being able to celebrate and talk more about this here in the weeks to come. But today we're going to be wrapping up our series, Home for the Soul. And I've got to tell you, I've really enjoyed these last couple of months where uh, we've been just talking about heaven. And, and it's a subject that elicits just multiple levels of questions, but I hope it is also elicited from you also multiple levels of excitement and, and hopefulness. But our time on this subject has drawn to a close and our time has run out. So, so let me say this. In one sense, all of our views, all of our views on heaven are, well, they're incorrect because they are all incomplete. Hey, they're just not good enough. I mean, even though we have spent these weeks talking about heaven and, and what this next life is going to be like, uh, it doesn't matter. I'm not able to describe to you what everything is actually going to be like. And, and we all have these different ideas of, of things we hope heaven will have and what it's going to be, and yet it's all incomplete. It's kind of like the moment recorded in 1 Kings chapter 10 when the queen of Sheba goes to visit Solomon. She's heard about his wealth and all of his majesty and all the splendor of the kingdom, and so she goes to see it for herself. But after being an eyewitness, she says, everything I've heard about your kingdom is true. But it's not enough, because I was only told half. She said, I was only told half of it, because what I see far exceeds everything that was reported to me. And guys, that's how I feel about this series. 
It's not so much that I'm concerned that what I have taught isn't true. It's that what I have taught isn't enough. Perhaps we can circle back around again on a date in the future and address some of the remaining questions and wonders that we have for the home of the soul. But for today, I, I just want to attempt to spark your imagination one more time. So before we dive in, will you join me in prayer? Father, I do pray for our imaginations that your spirit will, will spark within us something that perhaps we have never thought about before when it comes to the home for our soul. We're thankful that you have given us the descriptions that you have in your word. And Father, even though our imaginations cannot contain the majesty and the splendor, we can at least get a taste, just a sip of perhaps what awaits us. And Father, allow that, allow that small morsel to be something that, that brings us joy, that brings us hope, and that, Father, that can sustain us through the rest of this year and the rest of our lives. So in the name of Jesus that we pray for a spark of imagination this morning. Amen. You know, the Apostle Paul often looked to heaven's horizon with audacious hope. He told the Christians in Corinth that we are confident. He says we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. Now, Paul did not have some type of morbid death wish. Instead, he had a healthy heaven wish. His soul, just like yours, longed to be with God. And he understood. He understood the wise author of Ecclesiastes was correct when he wrote that the day that you die is actually better than the day that you were born. You see, as Paul understood it, that day would be the day when he would be with Christ. It would be the best day that he had ever lived, but it wouldn't be the best day that he would ever live because that he believed was coming later when Christ would return. And he would arrive and say that when that day comes, those who have died will be raised to live forever. So I guess it shouldn't surprise us. We look through the scriptures and we come to, we come to the letter of 2 Timothy to find out that that was the final letter that we know of that Paul had written. And that we turn to the pages and we find Paul talking about heaven. I want you to listen to a passage that is probably very familiar to you. Paul, anticipating his death, says, The time for my departure is near. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. Now, look, Paul was looking forward not just to heaven, but he was looking forward to receiving something when he got there. And it wasn't just something that was for him. It wasn't something that was just for good old Apostle Paul because of all the things that he had done for the Lord. No, he says, look, hey, there is in store for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, but not to me only, but also, and I want you to key in on the word all, to all who have longed for his appearing. You see, that little three-letter word is very important. Because even though we don't know a lot about the next life, there is something that is certain. The day Christ comes will be a day of reward. Those who have went unknown on earth will be known in heaven. Those who, were never, who never heard the cheers of men will be able to hear the cheers of angels. 
Those who missed out on the blessings of their father will receive the blessings of their heavenly father. The small are going to be great. The forgotten are going to be remembered. The unnoticed are going to be crowned. And the faithful will be honored. And all of God's children will receive a crown. But not just one. They're going to receive two. And we're going to dig into that this morning. Now, look, to help us to appreciate eternity and this whole idea, I want you to consider this rule of thumb. Heaven is going to be wonderful not only because of what is present, but because of what is absent. Now think about that for a minute. Heaven is going to be wonderful because of what's missing. It's, it's why the Apostle John, when he took notes about heaven, he was quick to make sure that he didn't list only what he saw, but he also made careful mention of what was missing. Remember the famous no mores? He said, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. All of these are gone forever. Now, did you catch, look up there, did you catch the first no more that is written? He said there's not going to be any more death in heaven. And it's why James would write, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because that person will receive the crown of life. Now try to imagine, if you can, a world that is fully alive. Imagine a world without death. And if you can do that, you can begin to imagine heaven. For citizens of heaven wear the crown of life. But it's just so hard for us to comprehend. And think about it. We, we do everything that we can to avoid death. We pop pills. We pump pecs. We, we pass on that last piece of pumpkin pie. Why all the effort? was because we are so worried about staying alive. But you don't have to worry about that in heaven. In fact, there is no worry in heaven. Some of you moms, your grandmas, you, you worry about your kids getting hurt, but you're not going to have to worry in heaven. In heaven, there's going to be no pain. Some of you, some of you even get worried about, about getting old. But guess what? In, in, heaven, in heaven, you're not going to have to worry because you're going to be forever strong. Hey, when I was in my 20s, I could play softball games on back-to-back -back days and never give it a second thought. Never give it a second thought. And then when I was in my 30s, I could play a doubleheader, and then I would get up the next morning and I would be sore. And now I'm in my late 40s, and I show up to the ball field sore. I mean, that's just how it goes. I mean, that's what happens to us. Because our current existence is not crowned with life. Our current existence is crowned with death. Consider the mother who gives birth only to be rewarded with a stillborn child. Consider the man who works hard to retire only to have his retirement cut short by cancer. Consider the high school athlete who trains hard, works hard, only to be injured his senior year. Consider the aging parent slipping away into Alzheimer's. Guys, we're not made of steel. We're made of dust. And we live in the shadow of death. And even the scientists remind us that the whole cosmos is experiencing entropy. It seems that, that the whole universe is just gradually running out of steam. But the next life, we're told, is going to be different. And it's why Jesus would give encouragement to Christians living in Smyrna. And he says, be faithful. He says, be faithful, even if it means your death, and I will give you the crown of life. The crown of life. 
Well, there's another crown. And it represents something that will also be missing in heaven. Remember Paul told Timothy that he was anticipating getting the crown of, of righteousness, right? Now the word righteousness means that, that you are right with God. You, you are in right standing with God. But we've got a lot of, uh, of very astute Bible students who are here this morning and who are watching online. And I know that you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, aren't we already made righteous with God? Aren't we already God's righteousness? Why do we need a crown of righteousness? What happens in heaven that has not happened yet on earth? Well, you're right, we are righteous now, but it is because that we are clothed with Christ. We are not righteous in ourselves, we are righteous because Christ is righteous. But when Christ appears, we're told, we're going to be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And as we've already studied, we will be transformed. Our wardrobe is going to be made complete. And it will be crowned with righteousness. And then we will stand righteous before God. Think about what that means. You see, what does it mean to be rightly related to God? Or, or better yet, to think about it this way, what prevents people from being rightly related to God right now? And the answer is sin. And if heaven promises a right relationship with God, then what's missing in heaven? That's right. There's not going to be any sin in heaven. Heaven is going to be sin-free. Both death and sin are going to be things of the past. Now, early we, earlier we tried to imagine somehow kind of what life would be like fully alive without death, but let's do the same without sin for a minute. Can you imagine a world minus sin? You done anything recently because of sin? At the very least, you complained, right? I bet some of you have worried, you've, you've grumbled, you, you've hoarded when you should have shared, you've turned away when you... When you should have helped, you've, you've second-guessed, you've covered up, but guess what? You're not going to have to worry about any of that in heaven. Because of sin, you have snapped at the ones you love, and you've argued with the ones that you cherish. Because of sin, you have felt shame, and you have felt guilt, and, and you have felt bitterness. Because of sin, you have endured sleepless nights and cloudy days. Because of sin, there has been addiction, and there has been bigotry, and there has been mistrust, and there has been adultery, all due to sin. But in heaven, all this is going to end. Because of sin, the young are abused, the elderly are forgotten. Because of sin, God is cursed and drugs are worshipped. Because of sin, the poor have less and the affluent just hoard more. Because of sin, babies have no daddies and husbands have no wives. But in heaven... In heaven, sin is not going to have any power. In fact, sin is not even going to have a presence. Can you imagine a world without sin? If you can, then you can begin to imagine heaven. Well, let me get even more practical. What causes tension between people? I mean, what causes people not to like each other or to, or to, to dread family coming for Thanksgiving or to, to hope that you don't receive that phone call, that text message, that email? Well, it's sin, right? If there was no sin, then there would be no tension, none. No tension between ex-husband and ex-wife. No tension between black and white. No tension between abused and penitent abuser the beautiful prophecy of Isaiah 11 would come true. Then wolves will lie in peace with lambs and leopards will lie down 
to rest with goats. Calves, lions, and young bulls will eat together, and a little child will lead them. This, this prophecy here is why a millennium later, John would make a similar promise. Heaven is going to be great, he says, not because of what is present, but because of what is missing. And oftentimes we have read this before in his revelation, and we've just kind of read through and it just got to be ho-hum. But I think it was something that was meant to be shouted. There will be no more death. In heaven there's going to be no mourning. There's going to be no crying. There's going to be no pain. For all of these old things, all of these things that tore in our body have gone and are passed away. And John's, his list could have just gone on forever. You see, if there's not going to be any sin in heaven, and if there's not going to be any death in heaven, then there's going to be no more, well, you fill in the blank. No more aspirin. No more chemotherapy. No more wheelchairs. No more divorce. There will be no more jail cells. No more broken hearts. Fill in the blank. What is going to be missing from heaven because sin is gone and, and death is gone? To be crowned in life means no more death. To be crowned in righteousness means no more sin. And maybe the coolest thing of all, these crowns mean that one more thing is going to be missing in heaven. And that's the distance between you and God. You see, later in Revelation 21 and verse 22, John makes note of this when he says, I saw a temple in the city. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are at the temple. Or actually, he says, I saw no temple in the city. And he's, what he's telling us here is, is something that we often miss because we, we don't have the Jewish background. Now, you might remember that maybe you were in a Bible class years ago and, and you were going through the layout of the Jewish temple and you were memorizing different things about it. And you might remember that the temple layout had an elaborate system of divisions designated and designed to, to show how close a person could get to God. And there was a court of the Gentiles so the Gentiles could enter, but they couldn't go any further. And then there was a court for women and they could enter there, but they couldn't go any further. There was a court for men that they could enter. Then there was a court for the priest. And then there was the Holy of Holies, and only one priest could enter there. And so it was all laid out, and there was a clear message that came with it. This is how close you can get to God, and no further. But heaven has no barriers. Heaven has no barriers. It's why those who have desired to live out the ethic of heaven's kingdom from the time of Jesus until now have preached that we are all one in Jesus Christ. Gentile, Jew, male, female, pious follower, or questioning seeker all have the same access to God through Jesus Christ. There are not going to be any barriers in heaven between us and God. And because of that, let me tell you this. You and I will never get enough of God. We'll never get enough of God. So again, we're told in Revelation 21, look, God's home is now among his people. John says, I didn't see a temple because, because God was there. 
and he will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And as he does, I believe he will give us the final reward. And in doing so, allow us to experience what we, right here and right now, have been missing. You see, there's coming a day where God is going to look to you and he is going to say, well done, good, faithful servant. Now, I realize that maybe for some of you it might strike you as somewhat inconsequential. You're like, so what? I mean, why is that such a big deal, Chris? But think with me for a moment. When we began this series, maybe you had this idea that heaven was going to be filled with just people sitting on clouds, playing their harps. It was going to be an eternal church service. And maybe some of you were like, yes! And some of you were like, hmm, hmm. I don't know about that. But have you ever thought that when you get to heaven, that some of your time is going to be spent with God praising you? Now look, I'm not talking about some generic Hallmark card where God, where God writes down some socially acceptable thanks a lot and then gets one of the angels to sign his name at the bottom. I'm, I'm talking about a personal affirmation where God gives you the praise that is due. Not, not just, not just at one nation at a time and not just one church at a time, but one person at a time. When the Lord God looks you in the eyes and says, I watched your life. I saw what you did. I remember that day. I remember that day when it was just you and me and your struggle and your doubt and you thought about giving up and then God starts to thank you. And guys, I don't think we're going to be disappointed with that. And I think there's something substantial that's being offered to us here in this promise that can carry us through eternity. And it leads me to think that, that perhaps this alone, when understood correctly, is enough to motivate us to live lives that will actually perhaps carry over into the next. You see, when this fallen world is purged by fire and sin's curse is removed, God wants to have a one-on-one -on -one with your resurrected self and say thank you. Thank you. It's why Paul told the Corinthians that when this time of testing is done and God has evaluated what everyone has been through in their life, at that time each will receive their praise from God. Do you know that was in your Bible? I bet you missed that, hadn't you? And you thought all the time was going to be spent praising him. God himself one day will look you in the eyes and bless you with the words that so far you've been missing. Well done. Good. Faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. And guys, we are going to look and we are going to behold all heaven to be and I can't help but think that we're going to say,
everything I heard about your kingdom, everything I heard about you, it's all true. But it's not enough. I was only told half. What I have seen so far exceeds everything that I had heard or could imagine. And what a day, what a day that will be. Do you remember that old hymn? If so, would you sing it with me? There is coming a day when no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tear to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. There'll be no sorrows there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no pain, no more parting over there, and forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day, that will be. What a day, that will be, when my Jesus One who saved when he takes me back me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. I so wanted to be able to sing that chorus. And that day is going to be special. And that day is going to be a reunion. And that day is going to be more than we could ever ask or imagine. Don't you want to go to the home for your soul? Will you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you. We thank you for not wanting us to go through this life without a picture. A picture, even though incomplete, of what awaits your children. And I know that we have tried over these last few weeks to 
to describe it and to imagine what it will be like. But Father, it just hasn't been enough. And I know that, that there's a day coming that we are going to that we're going to open our eyes and we're going to say that everything that we've heard, it's all true. But we've only heard half. It's so much better. And so that's our true reason for thanksgiving today. That we come to you and we say thank you for preparing a place, for not wanting to be without your creation for sacrificing your son so that righteousness can be achieved and so that one day we can be with you. Father, until that day, we ask that we be encouraged, that we be filled with, with hope and joy at the thought of the home for our soul. May we live in a way now that shows we believe we will live again then. May we bring a little of heaven's ethic here now. Living out, living out the will of heaven here in your kingdom. Father, until that day, again we say thank you. And we ask that as we Leave this place that we would leave looking forward to being with family and friends. And, and even though perhaps our Thanksgivings are going to be different this year, and there'll be empty seats around the table, that, Father, we will still be able, that we will still be able to, to see reasons for thankfulness as we look to what you have given us and for what you have in store for us. We thank you for your blessings here and to come. In the name of Jesus that we pray, amen.